South Florida. The Brian Mudd Show starts right now. Now, now. News Radio 610 WIOD. Beyond protection for our children, pediatric vaccination can help us better protect our families and our communities. Helping prevent children from bringing the virus home to family members who may be more vulnerable and helping reduce community transmission levels. Oh, well, Linsky, of course, CDC director. And one of the growing questions has been, what constitutional authority do these agencies really have? Is it time, given the perceived abuse of power by, by many, to rethink the CDC, the National Institutes of Health? Well, we find out that you know, the NIH, you got Fauci over there that is, you know, he, he's no longer running the uh, NIH. He's now the senior medical advisor to the president of the United States, but Francis Collins is. But we found out during Fauci's time at the NIH, he's over there doing gain-of-function research, which he's since redefined. We see the CDC during the pandemic. Here you have an unelected body of scientists in Atlanta, and they're deciding who gets to remain open as a business, who's essential and who isn't essential, under what conditions you know, businesses can, can operate when we are going to allow you to. I mean, all these things that are at a, a certain level highly arbitrary. How is it that unelected bodies of scientists get to make decisions like that? Why did we ever allow this to, to be? Well, here to talk about this is constitutional law professor and the author of the original Constitution, what it actually said and meant. Robert Nadelson joining us once again. So what do you make of it? Is it time to reconsider the CDC and the NIH? Well, first, let me say it's an honor to be back on the show, especially so soon. Thank you. Um, you. Yeah, it's time to reconsider them. It's long, long past time. These agencies essentially are extra constitutional. As you suggested in your opening comments, they're not really authorized by the Constitution. Now, I don't want to be... I don't, I don't want to stretch that too far. There are some uh, administrative, administrative agencies that are probably okay. But the CDC and the NIH are involved in an area, health care, that the Constitution doesn't entrust to the federal government at all. And, of course, the decisions that they make are not being made by elected representatives in Congress. They're being made by people who are bureaucrats, career bureaucrats, who sometimes, as in the case of uh, CDC Director Walensky's decision to rewrite every residential lease in the country, uh, exercise actions of astounding arrogance. How much of where we are today with these agencies, and, and I'll speak specifically of the CDC coming out of a, a World War post-World War II era, how much of it was a, a difference in the level of trust of, of government at that time? They, they seem to have been born of an era in which, you know, almost ubiquitously and regardless of political persuasion, Americans looked at the federal government as being, you know, honest arbiters and, and you know, and upholding the interests of the American people. That's a very interesting point. The, um, the American government had, con- American people had conceived that attitude toward the government to the extent they had it because they lived under the government as checked and balanced by the provisions of the Constitution. In the early 20th century, as you know, the progressives um, increasingly seized the levers of power, and their idea was very different from that of the American founders 
or that of the American Constitution. Their idea was that government should be administered by experts who were removed from politics. Of course, we now know that these agencies are highly political. And in the article that I wrote for the Epic Times on the subject, I point out, for example, that both the NIH and the CDC are deeply involved in things like critical race theory. But at the time they were proposed, they were sold as non-political expert agencies that would give people good government that politicians couldn't give them. How is it that we evolved these agencies to a point to where they actually get to make decisions over what businesses get to remain open, which are shut down, and the conditions under which businesses may conduct business? That's another good question. Um, the first major agency to have that kind of broad power, uh, the National uh, Reconstruction uh, National Re Recovery Agency, um, was actually struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court as having too much discretion. But in subsequent years, as the New Deal Congress passed more and more of these agencies, uh, the Congress tried the Congress. Excuse me, the Supreme Court started to uphold them. Eventually, the Supreme Court developed a doctrine called the Chevron Doctrine, uh, Chevron after Chevron Oil Company, which essentially concedes to these agencies broad power over their own laws, over their own regulations, uh, almost without judicial review. And so one reason why the Biden administration thinks, for example, that it can get away with having OSHA issued a vaccination mandate is simply because the courts have conceded such a broad scope to these agencies. That may be changing. Brett Kavanaugh, for example, who now sits on the Supreme Court, among others, is known as a very uh, fundamental critic of the Chevron Doctrine. Could we be at a point where if we had the political will, in other words, if you had a president of the United States, if you had a Congress that wanted to rethink uh, in these agencies through through the legislative process, we could do so? It would be very difficult. I think individual agencies perhaps could be abolished. There have been a few isolated examples during the Carter administration. We got rid of the Civil Aeronautics Board, for example. During the Nixon administration, we got rid of a deeply corrupt agency called the Office of Economic Opportunity. But generally, these agencies, as Ronald Reagan famously said, are the only examples of immortality on this planet. Yeah. Um, I think it would actually require constitutional change to get rid of them, ho holding a convention of states that would propose amendments, getting the federal government out of certain areas, abolishing those agencies, and then persuading three-quarters of the states to ratify those amendments. Wow. It's very difficult to abolish too many of them otherwise. Well, that is, uh, you know, good perspective anyway about what the what the view of, of reality is here. And uh, always good talking with you. That is Professor Robert Nadelson. Again, he's the author of the original Constitution, what it actually said and meant. As mentioned, a contributor to the Epic Times. Do appreciate it, Professor. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, likewise. And Natalie, in a trending story, and talk a little Aaron Rodgers next here on the Brian Mudd Show. He's Radio 610 WIOD.